This morning, let's turn to a song of thanksgiving. Psalm 65. If you turn in your Bibles to page 567. We'll read Psalm 65, celebrating the goodness of God in salvation, in world government, and in our fields. You'll see that divided into three parts here in this psalm. To the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. And now we want to focus on verse, verses 9 through 13. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty, Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. This is God's word. He blesses by it. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, here are a few of my favorite things. A picture of cattle grazing on the hills. Not not a picture, but the scene. Or a lawn filled with yellow dandelions in spring. Don't you love that? Or an alfalfa field freshly mown. The smell, the look of it is is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Or a field of green, evenly standing corn. Or the scene of wheat, soybeans, corn, pouring out of the, the auger of the combine into the dump wagon. These are some of my favorite things. What do you love? to see out in the countryside, in spite of war, famine, suffering. 
The blessings of God still fill the earth. Don't you see them? The earth is still filled with God's beauty. We still get glimpses of paradise in our world. That's God's kindness. We shouldn't have any of that. When you consider who we are by nature, what we've done to God. But he's so good. In spite of the sin that sullies our world, the goodness of God still flows through this world, through creation. Even though creation's under a curse, you can still hear the sound of music in the hills. As Psalm 65 says, the pastures of the wilderness overflow, the hills gird themselves with joy, the meadows clothe themselves with flocks, the valleys deck themselves with grain, they shout and sing together for joy. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Can you hear it? There are other passages from the Bible that speak in the same way about the earth being filled with music. I'm going to mention two of them. One is Psalm 96, 11 through 13, and the other is nearby Psalm 98, 7 through 9. Listen, Psalm 96, 11 through 13. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the seas roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. Earth is singing to the Lord. And then Psalm 98, 7 through 9. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And that's the picture here. All creation sings to the Lord God of his goodness and his generosity and his power and his glory and his fullness. You know, really that's if creation does that. Certainly all people, all people should rise up and praise the Lord for his goodness. And Psalm 65 is really a call for all people to the ends of the earth, all flesh, meaning all human beings, to give to the Lord the praise due him. So let's focus here on the last section of Psalm 65, verses 9 through 13, where we meet God, the great gardener. Did you know God is a gardener? He's the best there is. You know God is a green thumb? Greenest thumb there is. God's a great gardener. He's a great farmer. Here he is preparing his garden, growing his garden, making it very beautiful, and then harvesting its fruit. We see all three of those here. How he visits his garden, first of all. And then he grows it, and then he crowns it with harvest. Visits, grows, crowns his garden, his earth. It says in verse nine, you visit the earth and you water it and you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. Now in three sections, Psalm 65 really shows God visiting the earth. In verses one through four, he's visiting his people with salvation. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed, O you who hear prayer. To you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. When I was foul and full of sin, I came to you and you atoned for me. 
You covered all my sins with an offering. And of course, that offering is his son, Jesus Christ. And then it says, blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. That's God satisfying us with the gifts of salvation. Covering our sins with the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. And then drawing us near to live with him in fellowship in his holy house and one day in paradise forever. And then it moves on to speak about God's goodness in all the world. In verses 5 through 8. His power over the nations. He's the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. And it talks about him stilling the tumult of the seas, which is a picture of the nations, stilling the tumult of the nations. Wow, this world is an angry place. It's a cauldron of seething hatred of nations at each other's throats. We see that, don't we, all around us? But God is in charge. And he'll only let them go so far. And he's going to accomplish his purpose through it. He's going to build his kingdom. He's going to destroy the works of the devil. But he's in charge and he stills the tumults of the nations. And he shows his awesome deeds to the ends of the earth. So that people from, what does it say there? People from the going out of the morning to the evening shout for joy. East to west. So we praise him as our savior, the God of our salvation who makes atonement for our sins, the sovereign God who governs the nations. We praise him. And then in the third part of the psalm, we praise him for his provision of food. He's the good gardener who visits the earth. That word visit is really important in the Bible. God visits he makes visits to people and creation. Like, you remember, he visited Sarah's womb and then Isaac was born. And then he visited Joseph when he was in prison in great trouble, suffering. He visited Joseph and made Joseph prosper there in prison. And then he visited his people Israel and Egypt when they were suffering under their they're taskmasters, they're slave drivers. He visited them with grace. Sometimes he visits people to punish them in order to protect his people. Like he visited Korah, Dathan, and Abiram by having the earth swallowing them up to protect Israel. But God makes personal appearances to do specific mighty works for our protection, provision, and salvation. And he also visits the earth with crops. That's God visiting, making his appearance. We know that in the fullness of time. Finally, he visited in his son and he did more than visit. He stayed in our flesh become a brother to us and call us his brothers and sisters. He's the God who visits. And here in Psalm 65, he visits your garden and he visits your field in the spring to water it, it says. And to enrich it. And he makes the field ready for grain. He waters its furrows. He settles its ridges. He softens it with showers, it says. And every year again, God stops in. 
to do his good and powerful work. And then we stand amazed at, in the spring of how God, everything was so covered with snow and so wet and so frozen. And then in an amazing and quiet way, God just makes everything ready for planting. And the earth wakes up after winter because God visits. He softens. He makes it ready. And then he plants it and grows it and harvests it. Well, he visits the earth. And we do lots of work, don't we? Planning and preparing the ground and planting. But we do it under God, the great farmer, the great gardener with the great green thumb who knows how to do fields and gardens because he's the one who planted the first garden ever, the Garden of Eden, and it was perfect. And he's also gotten ready for us a new garden in paradise, the Garden of Eden in heaven, which is one day gonna come down from heaven to earth. He's a great gardener. And so when you look around us and see the beauty, say, yes, that's my God who's got a garden ready for me in heaven. It points to him, his salvation. That's for everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a garden waiting for you in heaven, which will have no weeds and no sorrows and no disasters, no floods and no drought. There's a glimpse of it, a glimpse of paradise, a glimpse of the garden of Eden right here. And God, our great gardener, is truly amazing considering all the defiance toward God and creation, all the pride and arrogance and corruption everywhere, that God visits still, and he visited us in 2023, greatly enriching the earth and preparing it. So let's praise God from whom all blessings flow. If the hills sing before him, how much more should we praise him? Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion. And how much more shouldn't we praise want to share the gospel with others. So they learn to praise him as well because he's the hope, the farthest ends of the earth and of the seas, the Bible says. Well, let's look secondly at how God grows his garden. He visits it and he grows it. Look at verse 10, you water its furrows abundantly, you settle its ridges, you soften it with showers and bless its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. God keeps visiting his garden all through the season. We can do lots of things to our fields and gardens, but one thing we can't do is give growth. That is uniquely God's secret work while we watch and wait and pray. Growth. God has planted information in that seed. And then he visits that seed to put that information to work and grow. And there it goes. And there it grows and there it bears fruit. Think of that, God visiting every single of the millions and billions of seeds in the fields around us, little grass seeds, corn seeds, bean seeds, and whatever seeds. God visits that seed 
You put the information in there, puts it to work. Growth is uniquely the work of God. That's what Jesus said about his kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed on the ground. The man sleeps and then he rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once the farmer puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And Paul says that too. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God makes it grow. Growth is uniquely the work of God. Every single plant, every single soul. The planting of the seed of regeneration, of new life and a sinner's life, is the work of the Holy Spirit. But you know the growth of it also is God's work. We read the Bible, we feed, we get watered by the word of God, but growth is uniquely the work of God. Each plant is the work of God. It's amazing. We can't think we can't imagine all the amazing things that are happening, happening around us in an hour's time on any given day. That little plant pokes its head out of the ground. God is doing his great work. It grows tall in tassels. God is doing his great work. It grows a cob. God is doing his great work. It ripens and readies for harvest. God is doing his great work. And whether that's the conception of piggies and calves and animals and then coming out and growing or plants it's God's work God it says in verse 10 blesses its growth and sometimes you can actually hear it grow it's singing David in this psalm says the hills are alive with the sound of music now David is a shepherd he's a man of the hills he's a man of the fields he's a man of the farms he's a man of the valleys he knows what it sounds like he knows what it looks like he's been there he has seen it, he's heard it, he's felt the creation giving praise to God, even though it does, creation does not know him personally. How much more those who do know him personally. So again, verses 12 and 13, the pastures of the wilderness overflow. David has seen that. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Now sometimes, we don't feel a song in our hearts. And sometimes we feel dark and unhappy. And then through your open window in the morning, a bird is singing its heart out to the glory of God. And you think, why have I forgotten to sing? Why have I forgotten to be thankful? Why have I not been able to see the goodness of God toward me? And all these gifts around me, and above all, sending his son to make atonement for me and making me forever blessed as a member of his holy city and garden of Eden. And why have I forgotten that the whole world in his, is in his hands and he's governing the nations and he's ruling all things for his glory and not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my father in heaven. It's as if David is saying, when my heart was sad because Saul was hunting me, because my brothers were mocking me, because the Philistines were determined to destroy me, because my closest friend betrayed me, when my heart was sad, 
I saw pastures overflowing. I saw hills rejoicing with colors. I saw meadows beautifully suited in sheep. I saw valleys clothed with grain. I heard them shouting and singing, how great is our God. Then sings my soul, says David, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. So can you hear the music? It's so important to listen to creation's music as God causes it to grow. Each blade of grass coming up again and again. Each flower with its glorious artistry of color. Each wheat plant and its kernels. Each corn plant and its cobs. Each potato plant and squash plant and bean plant. Each one has a song to God. Each one has a song to God. And then as the psalm says, when you put these plants together in a field, their voices join in shouting and singing. So what it says at the end. They shout and sing together, together for joy. This is what David has seen. This is what God has done. Let our eyes see this and our ears hear this music and let us rejoice in the God of our salvation. And that's what God's calling us to do in a world of trouble and pain, to see the goodness of God in his temple, the gift of atonement, blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. In his goodness in the whole world, ruling the nations, and then in his goodness in our gardens and fields. End of the psalm. He's overflowing with grace and compassion, abounding in goodness and mercy, full of kindness and faithfulness. The God who hears those who call upon him, the God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the psalm says. And each one of us is being called by our Savior God, by Jesus Christ, to put our hope and confidence in him today. He cares for you. He cares for you in every aspect of life, total care, including the details of your gardens and fields. So cast all your cares on him. He clothes the lily of the field, why will he not also clothe you, O you of little faith? He's filled your life with good things. Will you count your many blessings and praise him? Well, that's what Thanksgiving is for. It's a call to see the glory of God and to hear his music all around you and to begin to name a few of your favorite things. And then to keep naming them and naming them and seeing them. To remember how much your God loves you. And how much he cares for you. As David is doing here, reminding himself here. As he listens to the blossoms and the blooms. He listens to the apples. You ever listen to an apple? listens to the peaches and the pears and the peppers and the corn and the soybeans and the turkeys and the chickens and the pigs and the cows and the sheep and the dog and the cat. Even plants, just by looking at them, it says you can hear their music to the glory of God. Speaking figuratively, of course, but still real. Can you hear the music? Listen. Listen, 
And then thirdly, he crowns the year, it says. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain for you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers and blessing its growth. And then verse 11, you crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. What's the crown? The crown here is the harvest. When the valleys are clothed with grain, that's their crown. And the hills are covered with sheep, that's their crown. And the fields filled with corn, that's their crown. To crown something means that you declare it complete and full and blessed. It's an amazing picture. God coming and putting a crown on your livestock. Putting a crown on your crop, on your fields, and your garden. You go to the garden to pick a nice, ripe red tomato. You're pulling at God's crown. That's what it is. He crowns the year with his bounty. And you go in with the combine to pull in those cobs of golden corn. You're pulling in the crown of God that he has put on the creation. You're raking in his crown. He's crowning the year with its great achievement. Spurgeon writes, the harvest is the plainest display of the divine bounty and the crown of the year. The Lord himself conducts the coronation and sets the golden crown upon the brow of the year. Now God doesn't bless every year in every place alike. Every year is different. Every region is different. Just as he's planned it. And some places are plenty. And other places are poverty. But harvest is always his crown. No matter where it's found. And no matter how bountiful it is. And then it goes on to say. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. You ever see those combines. They're going down the row. Of wheat or corn or beans, and they can't make it to the end because it's beginning to spill over the edge. And so the, the dump wagon's got to race over there and get it emptied out because the guy can't get to the end of the row. Well, that's the picture here. God's pulling a wagon through his fields, and he's pulling the, the fruits off the, the trees and, and the cobs off the corn. He's dumping it into his wagon. He doesn't get to the end of the row. And it begins to spill over the edge. Your wagon and, and fill the wagon tracks. That's our God. Good, generous, abounding. That's his work and we praise him. The harvest sings for joy to God, and so do we. Well, brothers and sisters, this psalm is a little bit deflating. It says nothing about the work of man, man's planning and planting and tilling and harvesting, nothing about our skill and machines and hard work. It's just all about God. You'd think at the end of the year that nobody was involved. God did it all. God's visiting, God's enriching, God's growing, God's crowning. 
It seems a little imbalanced. Certainly we deserve some credit. That's not really fair to say it's all God. But that is the point. It is all God. It's his gift. The gift of the gardener to us. He uses our work, but it's his work. All the credit, all the glory goes to him in salvation and governing the nations and even in our gardens and fields. And we as people need to lead the way in singing his praises, hearing the music of God's work, God's beauty. That psalm is a package deal. Total care of our Savior. He's got everything covered. He's got our sins covered. He's got the nations covered. He's got our fields and homes covered. He's got it all covered. He's worthy of our praise and worthy of our trust. Some reject him because they want to go their own way and live their own lives. He gets in the way of their desires, but it's always fatal, always fatal to turn your back on God. And it's always life-giving to see him, trust him, and praise him because he is the God of total care. The creator holds the whole world in his hands. The Savior offers total care for your life. It's a glimpse of paradise, the Garden of Eden. There's one waiting for us without weeds and without sorrow, without snakes. Trust him. Hear his goodness around you. See his goodness in his son and wait for the Lord with thanksgiving. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, which is abundant all around us. If we have but eyes to see and ears to hear the music, may this be a day where we remember a few of our favorite things. We sing praises to the Lord for the abundance that we've enjoyed in 2023 in our fields and gardens, let alone in the way you've been running the world and the way that you have saved us from our sin and given us growth in our faith. What a God. You are worthy of all our praise. Move us to see your glory and praise you in Jesus. Amen.